When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess. For elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 64 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Digital Federal Credit Union, better known by all of us after all these years as simply DCU. And whether you're driving off the lot or you're refinancing, DCU can help you save on your next auto loan with rates, get this, as low as 1.49% APR. You want details on that? I bet you do. You can learn more at dcu.org slash auto. Insured by the NCUA, membership required. So whether you're looking to upgrade with a brand new car, a used car, or refinance, get your next auto loan at DCU. Head to dcu.org slash auto. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Jumptown Skydiving. The summer is still raging on, but fall is around the corner. And it's the perfect time to go and enjoy the view from two and a half miles up before you jump out of that airplane. And if you're going to do something and check it off your bucket list, why not go to the best? America's oldest skydiving drop zone is conveniently located right on Route 2 in central Massachusetts. Jumptown Skydiving is open seven days a week, and they understand sometimes it's hard to get all your friends together when all your friends work in the service industry and they're busy all weekend. That's why Jumptown offers service industry discounts on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. So get a group of your work friends together and head to Jumptown. And if you're the group leader, you get $10 off every person you bring with you. You bring 10 friends and you skydive for free. Log on to jumptown.com for all the details and to make a reservation, call 978-544-5321. Okay, Carl Bell from Fuel is my guest this week and he was an absolute blast. We had scheduled to record the interview before I started on the air and something was going on at Carl's house and he forgot to call me 
And so he was super apologetic and we were laughing about it from the very beginning of the episode. And he felt really bad. I felt bad because at the end I had to be like, uh, okay, I got to let you go, dude, because I got to get on the air. But he was an absolute awesome guest to have on the podcast, a super creative, energetic, and engaging guy that is passionate about music. We talked about his upbringing and songwriting and learning how to play the guitar and the influence of his older brother and the ironic influence that radio had on his life. He also talked to me about driving in Boston his exposure to COVID, and how he's been keeping himself occupied while he hasn't been able to tour. He even got pretty in-depth and personal about keeping a band together and managing inter-band relationships and why sometimes it's just not possible to keep the lineup of a band together. Fuel has a new album coming out in October. It's called Anomaly, and the first single is out now. It's called Hard. If you love the band Judas Priest, (laughs) well, you just found a friend in Carl Bell from Fuel. And there's plenty of Judas Priest to go around on the corresponding playlist that you'll find linked in the show notes of this podcast. So allow me to introduce you to Carl Bell from Fuel. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Hello, Mr. Bell. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, you do. It's fine. All right. All right. Very good. Very good. Like, it's wait. all said. Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you. I was all like, right. are we Thanks. talking today? What are we doing? <laughs> Uh, The first thing I want to do is thank you for coming on the show. It's nice to see you. And this is how we have conversations now. We live in the future. Uh, You know, they just, we were just saying, I think the mask mandate is coming back and like, come on, weren't we through this mess? But anyway, weren't we just uh, allowed to go out and lick each other again? And now we got to stay home. I don't know. Maybe you do more licking than I do, but, you know, I understand it. That's what, you know, it's a mess. What a mess. I got vaccinated and I was like, can I lick doorknobs now? Is it safe? (laughs) Like, I've been locked in the house by myself too long. Can I just do weird things again? I miss doing weird, dangerous things. Well, see, I had COVID. All right. And it was super easy. 
And then I got the max, the vaccine. And that was awful for me. And I know other people are having, you know, the, the worst experiences, obviously, is obviously people are not making it through the situation. But the vaccine was really tough on me. And of course, you have to have I had the Moderna, so you had to have one and two. And man, those were tough. But anyway, I'm I'm completely vaccinated. You know, cootie shots, cootie shots. I got mine and it didn't bother me at all. Both shots. Right. No symptoms. And I had been exposed to COVID, but I never got it. So I was like, okay, now give me the shots. And I got the shots and I'm like, okay, are we good? Can I go out? <laughs> like, like, what are, what are we doing? I, I don't, I don't know what to do. Someone tell me what to do. Uh, I know. I just, it's, it's, it's been nice to not have to be able to go out and be normal for a bit. And now it's kind of easing back, but hopefully we'll just be a little bump in the road and we'll move through. Right. Yeah. Come on. I've had to get very used to, you know, this new way of doing things. And one of the things I had to do was build a studio at home. Right. To be able to stay on the radio, to be able to launch the podcast, to be able to do all of this stuff. And I was so used to driving into Boston every day for over 20 years. And and now I walk down the stairs with a cup of coffee. (laughs) Do you have pants on? You know what? I do. I have, well, I have shorts on, but, okay. but from the waist down, like if I stood up, it wouldn't horrify you. <laughs> well, you don't, you know, who knows, right? Now you can just almost not have to, you know, you've seen the commercials on TV now with people just, you know, in their undies and such. And it's like, it's a, it's a weird world, but we're getting through it, right? We're getting through it. Come I on. have a lot of friends that are in the military and I have heard stories about how they were having <laughs> virtual meetings and they still had to be in uniform. And then I heard a story about a general that wanted to make sure everybody was wearing there. And he made everybody stand up on, and one of the guys didn't have pants on. <laughs> <laughs> it does not sound like that ended well for him, I bet. Right? Probably not. He's probably still oh, yeah. doing push-ups. <laughs> still. <laughs> 300, 400. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, there's so there's so much to talk to you about. I'm trying to remember where I met you after 22 years on the air at WAF in Boston. I know we crossed paths a few times. Yeah. I started on the air right around the time Sunburn came out. So it was like wow. this massive, like, you guys just became this whole other thing. Yeah. And then there's right? years of my time at AAF that got very blurry. Self-induced or just <laughs> well, that was a crazy time in music in general, right? Like you know, really you was. look at that late '90s, early 2000s era. I just watched the Woodstock '99 documentary the other day because I was wow. there, right? And I was like, did I, did I like gloss over? Like, have I gotten soft in my old age where I'm like, yeah, it wasn't that crazy? And then I watched it and I was like, things really were nuts back then. It was a good time, right? It was a really good time. Music was, you know, lots of new music and the, the focus was really on music and, you know, rock was raging in great form and it was it was a good time. Well, haven't you gotten the memo? It's dead now, didn't you know? <laughs> I, I didn't want to bring that up. I didn't know if that was something I, sh- I, I started editing myself mid-sentence there. Like, oh, yeah. First of all, we don't fucking edit ourselves on my show, okay? You say whatever the hell you well, want. Well, I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to come out saying Rock is dead, like you said. But uh, since you said it, uh, you know, hey, it's I, my I, show. So. I can say whatever I want. I don't all have to right, wear pants, right, Carl. Right. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> you got it. And you're at home. Nobody can come in and flip the switch. <laughs> Seriously, what are they going to do? Exactly. You're great. It's great. 
But I think it's I think it's hilarious because it's I've been around long enough, as have you, to see these waves and cycles, right? That yeah. that yeah. that rock is 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 there and it's influencing other things, and then other things start influencing rock all over again. And I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, and let me know how you feel, that rock is in a, a transitional place again. And I'm I, really excited about what's going on. I certainly hope so. I mean, I was worried that um, like a generation of almost people have not grown up with rock like we grew up with rock. You know what I mean? It just and so I was worried that it would never find traction again. But hopefully you're right. And hopefully it'll get some good traction here going on. I know there's a lot of stuff happening and, you know, let's go. I hope to bring some rock back into the world as well, you know. One of the stats that makes me feel really good about things is that in the height of the craziness, guitar manufacturers were saying that a thousand guitars a day were getting sold. Yeah. Which that's a lot of friggin' guitars, which means yeah. there's got to be a whole new wave of music coming once people figure out how to play Smoke on the Water. <laughs> right. But I think Come As You Are was the new Nirvana. That, that was the first song every guitar player learned for a while, you know. It's got to I think that's the new way that everybody does. Smoke on the Water was my first song, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Was it really? That's the first thing that, you learned? Yeah, I mean, that because that, back then, you know, blah, 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 blah. Of course, I wasn't playing it like they're actually playing it. I was just doing it bar chords, but that's the first song, you know. So it was, uh, uh, yeah, I hope it comes back. I remember when Taylor Swift was hitting big, they started selling guitars again. That was, a, you know, that at least people were buying guitars, right? And so that's... That's that was good, but that's been a while now too. So hopefully this is a new wave coming around as well, right? What made you pick it up in the first place? Oh man, I found a guitar in the closet. It was my brother's Sears acoustic guitar. That's how way back that was. And he'd given up on it. And I grew up, we didn't have television in the house. Can you imagine not having TV, internet, all this stuff, the bombardment that we have nowadays? None of that was around. And so I bored. I picked up this guitar out of the closet, started messing around with it. It's the most horrible guitar ever. You can't. I, I play it now and I'm like, how in the world did I teach myself how to play? Well, on you this? got it at Sears. That's for anybody that's too young to understand oh, what Sears used to I be. Know, it, just, it was like a brick and mortar Amazon. You could buy everything at Sears. Yeah. Your grandmother bought her bras there and you got a guitar <laughs> there and everything in between. And your dad got a set of tires. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. But that's what that was what it was available. I started picking around on that. Then my cousin down the street had an electric and I bought it from him. And I still got those guitars, by the way. Do you? And, I was uh, going to ask you because it. I would think that if something is so important in your life, like a guitar for you with what you do, that you wouldn't want to part with the first one. Well, I don't play it because it's awful, but for <laughs> I mean, you can't play the thing. It's unbelievable. I mean, to, to try to, you know, fret on it and you know, depress the, the, the action is like this high off the neck. It's awful. But I learned smoke on the water and I just from sheer boredom just forced myself to taught myself how to play. And uh, so that was how this whole crazy show began for me. It was weird. You said weird. that you got it from your older brother and. Yeah. To me, you get music in phases, right? So you get yep. you get the music that your older brother, your aunts, uncles, your parents expose you to. And then there is a definite line in the sand 
where you find your music and you go, no, no, this is mine. So what were you exposed to? And then what was the line in the sand for you? Uh, so the greatest thing, my brother loves music. All right. My brother's eight years older than me. So he was way, you know, he was listening to everything. And then he entered a radio contest out of Memphis and won an album a day for a year from a radio station. What an awesome prize. So in some weird way, radio changed my life for real because it was a radio contest that brought all these records in. So 300 and I think he got 300 records and he wrote them then and said, wait, I didn't get all my records. I want these. And they sent him those. It was Shut even up, really? Yeah, it was great. But I got uh, the complete Zeppelin at the time, all the Zeppelin, all everything. It was great. And so all this music comes into my life. And that's what I would do. I didn't have TV, if you remember. And so I would sit, I'd come home and listen to a Stones record. I would listen to this, they had the greatest hits called Made in the Shade, which I can't even find anymore. But that was one of the records I would listen to over and over and over. And so my brother would every Sunday listen to Casey Kasem and the Top 40 Countdown. And he kept a notebook of what was happening. He was just, he loved it, loved it, loved it. And so that was infusing into me. And he would say, you know, I remember Sunday, he would say, come in here, Carl, listen to, I remember when uh, Phil Collins uh, in the air tonight, dude, you got to come listen to this weird song. It's so great. And that was, that was my life because he was bringing music to me. I was getting music. And then one day I picked up Judas Priest <laughs> and he said, he said, oh, that's crap. You can't listen to that. And I'm like, you know, at first you're confused because you're like, huh, that can't be crap. You got to like this. And he's like, no, I don't like that. You know what I mean? And that's when I went, yeah, but I do like that. And so that's when we kind of had a departure. I liked Judas Priest and I started liking more of the metal stuff. And, you know, of course, that developed into Motley Crue and all the 80s hair bands and just love the 80s hair band Me stuff. Me too, too man. Day. I refuse to apologize uh, for it. I refuse. No, I'm not. I, I don't have the. <laughs> but it's. Uh, maybe that's why i like them they had all this hair man but uh, no that's what departed that was the we, i know i still love what he liked but there was parts that i was liking that he wasn't liking so judas priest was the departure and i still love judas priest they're still it doing it man they're still doing uh, it my girl we were we saw i was in vegas and they had this rock and roll honors thing and i think it was it was years ago and judas priest came out and i just something i was my girl was looking up at me like who the hell are you you know <laughs> she's like and i'm like i don't know what is judas priest i can't help myself you know what i mean it was just the greatest the judas priest just was awesome still is awesome to me. a few so years ago i i went to romania and what oh, it, wow yeah well my husband's in the military and we were dating at the time and he was overseas and i went to visit him and i was like we'll rendezvous in bucharest words that have never been said by anyone ever <laughs> And it just so happens that Judas Priest was in Bucharest while I was uh, there. So I get tickets to go see Judas Priest in Bucharest. And you would have thought that they would have like resurrected John Lennon and George Harrison and put the Beatles back together and put them on stage. It took over the whole city. Nice. There was like four generations of families there, babies and toddlers and like 70 year old dudes. I'd never seen anything like it. That's awesome. Metal. Metal, especially in places like that and down in South America, it's a whole other level of passion, man. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, that sounds great. That's, I, yeah, it's just something about Judas Priest. Just, oh. I, it just it flips a switch in my brain, and I don't even know. I'm like, I, I don't know, dude. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. You know, it's just I love it. So, and like screaming for vengeance, I think that's the real record that I really. I, I love that record still to this day. I just, you know, and so I think that was the real one when I went, my brother was like, oh, I just can't do that. And I'm like, oh boy, I can, you know what I mean? And so that was great. Well, growing up where you grew up, you'll sympathize and empathize with this. My husband grew up listening to country music. So I'm dragging him kicking and screaming into rock and roll and metal, right? <laughs> so I take him to the Judas Priest show and he looks at me at one point and goes, how many fucking jackets does this guy have? <laughs> It's good. He'll bend for leather. He He's had got, it all, didn't he? My answer was oh. all of them. He has all of them. Did he still bring the motorcycle out? Oh, and do fuck that? yeah, man. It was awesome. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. Probably put it on a sea crate to get it over there. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. But I'm bringing the bike. We're That's bringing right. the bike. Okay, baby. That's but awesome. it, it is that thing that we all have in common. And like your brother, you, me, like rock and roll music people, the ones that keep those notebook diaries that that, yep. that made lists, that listen to the radio. We're a certain breed of people. And I've come to realize not everyone is like that. <laughs> <laughs> I can, we used to play on the radio dial. Me and my brother would go and we would hit, just hit scan. I can't do it now, but back then I could hit scan. And in one second, I could name the song and artist and we'd go scan the next one. Oh, look at that. And we now could, there's we an app that. for that. Right. They're probably, yeah, you could, you know, but I could, we could do that. Like, and we would just to play that game. Like we were on a long trip or we would do that just to see if we could name. And you had to name the artist and the song. You can't just name the song. You got to know who it was. Back then I could do that. I don't, I mean, now since probably 2010, I'm completely adrift and all that stuff. But it was for a while there. It was, you know, music was everything. This is still, you know, everything to us, you know. Do you remember the first song that you ever wrote? Oh, uh, I'm probably trying to forget it if I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably, yeah. I, I, I read a story one time. George Michael wrote his first song he ever wrote was Careless Whisper. And I'm like, what? I mean, you know, whatever you want, like or dislike, you know, George Michael and Careless Whisper, but that's a pretty damn good start. You know what I mean? But no, the first song I wrote was, oh, I don't know. It was awful. I remember my mom, we got a, I know this is all dating myself really bad, but I had a cassette. You could get a cassette eight. It was a four track recorder. Whereas now you have your, you know, your pro tools and all your stuff, but this was a cassette. And I think they spent 700 bucks. We didn't have 700 bucks to blow on this. I'm telling you, my family didn't. We had four four kids and you know this stuff. But I got that and it was just the most amazing thing. And I was started working from that and started writing and putting together tracks and putting together songs. I don't remember the first one, but that's, I think back on that, that was a huge moment for me. I didn't really realize it at the time, but that was a big moment for me that we got a little four track cassette recorder and now I could do multi-track recording. And uh, that was the beginning. What was the name of your first band? <laughs> Shattered Glass or something. Yeah, crazy like so metal, man. It was the hair band days, right? Yeah, so you had that's to have what I mean. With some, yeah, I think it was, and I think we played this little show. I mean, I'm come from a tiny little farm town. I I grew up on a farm. It's in the middle of Tennessee. Nothing going on there as far as you know music, and there was no bars or anything really that you can go to. And we 
played this little, we said, Oh, we're going to, we're going to play a show because we're good now. You know, we weren't, we were awful. And we brought in like our, my buddies brought in his stereo system and we tried to play this show. And I think somebody recorded it on a cassette and I hope they burned it, but it would be kind of fun to listen to now. <laughs> but that was just, you know, we were just doing what you could do back then. You know, you're just trying to get started and you loved music and you just wanted to do it. And that was what it took. So weird days. Do you remember the first time you heard your own music on the radio, having been so influenced by radio growing up? Um, well, we did a little local, the tiny little, again, little tiny town. And we sent this one song in and it was just played maybe once. And that was kind of cool. But I think the real cool part for us was the, uh, when we first did our first record and the song shimmer and we were driving, it was just came out and we were driving into New York. And at that time, you know, the New York stations were, you know, huge stations. And we were, uh, we were driving in all of us guys in the band fuel, we were all driving in and Kevin, the drummer said, dude, wouldn't it be cool to, if we heard the song come over, you know, as we're driving into New York and, uh, at about that time, the song came on and it was a really cool moment for the band, man. We just, we all kind of pulled over to the interstate there and just kind of soaked up the moment. Cause you know, and you're thinking, you know, New York City, you're hitting a you know massive market just like it would be Boston or wherever. You know, you're thinking, wow, there's a lot of people that could be hearing this. And it's almost a little scary at first. You're kind of like, wait, wait, everybody put your fingers in your ears. You know what I mean? Because it's just a little intimidating, but it was uh, it was great. And that was a really cool moment for us and the whole band. I mean, that was like the first time we really heard Shimmer uh, out on, you know, outside of Harrisburg. Cause we, we'd heard it on Harrisburg. It, it had been a number one song in Harrisburg, but when you get out to the, you know, when you hit New York, you know, you're hitting a lot of people. And so it was kind of cool. That was one of the, that was one of the first moments we heard. Yeah. And it turned out to be just a small song too. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody okay. played that song at all ever on the radio. <laughs> it did. It did. Okay, man. It did. Okay. And it's, and I'm seeing that it's kind of got a resurgence now. If I watch on, you know, I'm seeing the streaming sites and now that it's, it's getting a lot of, it's, it's over the last year and a half, it started to really get, well, hemorrhage was the other song of ours that was big uh, at, at, at least the second, they were first and second, you know, going at each other. And now shimmer has taken off even more. So I, it's, it's hard to know what, you know, what happens and how a song gets legs and gets a new life and takes off. And well, it's, it's all uh, those it's algorithms now with the streaming sites yeah. where it's like you hit a song and then it makes suggestions. It's like, it's like the algorithms of that cool person that used to work at the record store that would turn you on to this awesome music that you didn't know you were going to like. And then you hear it and go, right. Oh yeah. Right. Or on, the radio right DJs that kind of turn you on to the new stuff too. And and now there's a certain amount of that that's happening by chance with these right. streaming platforms. And over the last 18 months, music has really been there to be a companion for people going through all of the emotions. We've been going through yes. all of them simultaneously. Yes, yes, yeah, collectively as a planet. <laughs> How much have you enjoyed having your guitar to keep you company over the last 18 months? Uh, for, 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 I, for a while, I hadn't played guitar in a while. I mean, this, this new version of what we're doing now with fuel, uh, I had, I pretty much stopped writing. I, I was, I thought I was out, you know, it's like that, you know, 
I, you know, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me they back pulled in. They pulled me back kind of, in. They pulled me back in. It was that kind of concept. And uh, I hadn't been playing a whole lot. And I remember one day, probably a couple of years ago, I walked into where I'm at now in the room with all this gear. And I said, man, at 18 years old, if you, you know, if I had walked into this room and somebody said, here, have all this stuff, I would have been out of my mind, you know, like, be able to blow my mind, like oh, all this stuff. And the other, and so then I was sitting around watching it and I just wasn't using it, you know? And so now this new opportunity with fuel and what we're doing now really just, you know, changed that all around. And then in July, I started last July. So right in the middle of the whole COVID situation, I started writing a new record and so that's gets us to where we are now. So it's, it was, uh, it was cool to be able to get back into the swing of things and do, you know, I've developed this weird skill set that's pretty much useless anywhere else. So it's nice to kind of tap back into it and go, Hey, why don't you do this? You know? Well, you have a varied skill set that I think is fascinating because not everybody does it. There's a lot of people that are musicians that work on their own music then there's people that are famous for being great producers, but not necessarily successful as musicians in their own right, but are that great outside voice for creative people to kind of steer a project in the right direction. You right. straddle that line where you write songs, you've got the band, and then you're able to kind of change your hats a little bit and work with other artists as a producer as well. What what different parts of your brain are working when you're, when you're swapping like that? <laughs> For me, it's almost like it's all part of the same thing in some ways, because when I'm putting together a song or writing a song, I kind of hear what I've got. A, in my mind, I hear the song already. Maybe it's from listening to the radio a billion years, you know, and all the ideas you have in your head. And I kind of have a general idea of, of how, it's going to sound. And so for me, that part gets going pretty quickly. And of course, now I have, you know, I have Pro Tools and you have your computer systems now. You, uh, Pro Tools is what I happen to use. And uh, I can, I have a template and I can get a song up and running in 15 minutes. Like literally, like if I'm looking for an idea, I go, okay, this, 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 this. I know the drums are going to be like this. I know the bass is going to do like this. I kind of have an idea for it and I get there quickly. And so for me, it's all kind of the same thing as I'm writing a song, you're kind of producing it at the same time, if that makes it. And so it, it kind of flows into just the process I've always done. I always did demos for fuel back in the day. You know, I have the demo for hemorrhage. I still have the demo for shimmer that I, the originals, you know, that, that didn't change a whole lot in some respects from what happened on the, the full record. Once we did a record. So it's kind of all, in the process, the way I work, and I don't know, it'd be hard. Uh, you know, I have some songs you have that you just do on acoustic and, you know, and you leave them that way and they never get developed. But if I'm really into a song and I feel like it's going to be something I want to get into, yeah, I'm going to produce it while I'm writing. I'm mixing it while I'm writing. I'm putting it together while I'm writing it. So it's kind of the whole, it's like one and the same for me, I guess. So tell me <clears throat> what this new version of fuel like like and you got a record coming out i'm assuming at some point when we're allowed you're gonna tour so yeah so tell me what what is different about and what made you want to come back to it i just kind of a year ago 
I realized I'm back in fuel. This uh, fuel has come back to me and this is how it is. And uh, I think I just, my brain just went into automatic mode and, you know, I went like stepped back in the old shoes I had been in before and those shoes mean, well, you got to write songs. Come on, let's go. And so my brain just started writing. And uh, that's just, it was just a natural situation for me. That's just kind of the way it happened. And so I began writing and putting songs together and putting more songs together. And again, putting the demos together, but the demos ended up being the record on this one. They weren't just demos. I'm, I can do them at a, a level high enough now to where that's what you hear. So I actually mixed this record as well. Um, and so it just kind of fell into place without me thinking about it. It was kind of funny because when we first started, we were just thinking of going, doing touring and playing some shows. And then I was laughing the other day. Then I screwed up and wrote a record. Now it's, it you know, That's never that happened could. to me, by the way. I never just woke up and was like, oops, I just wrote a record. Well, what I'm saying is that puts a whole new wrinkle into everything, right? Now you've got... Now you're not just going and playing shows. You're having, you know, it's the whole. You got to talk to idiots like me and do interviews. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Yeah, you know, idiots like you. What the hell? What am I doing, <laughs> right? No, you know what I mean. It's the whole. Yeah, you, you, know, you really tap into the machine full on, and now you're, yeah, you're doing interviews and you're watching social media and, and all of that such, all that stuff. So it's a, uh, it was, it said it kind of blew up into something beyond what I anticipated even happening. Uh, simply because at that time when we started to do this, there was no music written. But since then, a album, you know, we've got an album now and a great bunch of guys, a great lead singer who can play guitar, as we can rip on guitar. He's an amazing guitar player, great singer, great front man. Um, and just really stoked to be back with these guys. Uh, it, sh uh, it should be fun. I've asked this question of pretty much every band I've ever talked to in my career, and I've never gotten... A different answer is it harder to keep a band together or a marriage together <laughs> I, but you are correct they are about the same are they not I, people you know people go dude it's, it's a band you should just do it why don't you just you know and i've always thought that too like why doesn't led zeppelin just get why don't they just do it i know bonham's dead and that's a you know god bless him and he was the greatest drummer ever but you know, it's you, you three, but it's not that easy, man. It is just not that easy. And you like you it's like a divorce. It's, I, I, it's almost like a divorce with kids because the music is like the kids. I don't I'm not divorced, but I can imagine, you know, but you've been in relationships where you go, hey, dude, if you get back with that person, we'll give you this. And you'd be like, I, I don't you it's know. It's not I don't wanna... worth it. <laughs> You've been to those relationships. See, I know you have. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, you know, and, and I get it because there's bands I would say that too about like, dude, come on, just, you know, but there are things you want quality of life, right? I want you to have quality of life. I hope you want me to have quality of life. And at that point, you just go, man, I know this is not maybe the path of least resistance, but this is the way it it, it has to be. And so that's where we're at. Well, it, and it's an all-consuming job, right? It's not like you oh. sit next to a dude at a cubicle for eight hours that you fucking hate, but you do it for the paycheck. <laughs> this is 24-7 traveling together. I mean, separate buses. Don't talk to me unless we're on stage. Like, it can get stupid. It, it can. I mean, I know other bands that I've talked to about this, you know, and they're trying to get put stuff back together, and they just give up, too. They just, like, it just doesn't. And I, 
you know, do you think this is how I wanted this to be the go? No. You know what I mean? Do you think this is just like any relationship? If you want to compare it to a marriage, you go into the marriage like this is going to be great and this will never, you know, but. We don't need a prenup. We're in love. (laughs) Yeah, we're in love. You know, but it is what it is, right? Bands are tough, man. I mean, look at all the bands who have, you know, Motley Crue. You can read, you know, that's tough. Led Zeppelin's tough. We toured with Aerosmith. It was tough. It's tough. You know what I mean? It's hard to keep a band. It's like herding cats, right? You're like, it's like, you just, it's tough. And, uh, Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you I see some bands go out there and they hate each other still. And you're going, why don't know exactly why? And I'm not saying I hate anybody, but I'm saying it is a it's not an easy situation. And if you've never been in the situation, it, it it's kind of hard to understand. But, it, you know, but yes, relating it to a marriage and a divorce, very, very or just a relationship. You know, it's it's very much that very much that I love being surrounded by people that are creative and artistic because I I don't have that skill set. And I love talking to songwriters. And I ask this question from a songwriter's perspective. Can you give me an example of one or two songs that as a songwriter, you covet and go, oh, that song is perfect. I wish I wrote that song. Any genre of music, any era, it doesn't matter. But a song, and I want you to explain from a songwriter's perspective why you love it so much. I love tradecraft, I guess is kind of you you hear songs and I call it tradecraft because you hear a song written by some people and, you know, that song, they have written a billion songs before they wrote that song. And because of that learning and knowledge is why they can pull off this song now. I mean, and I know it's I mean, Don Henley, some of the lyrics with Don Henley back in the day, you know, some of those end of the innocence and just the way he can. Uh, what's that? Just uh, lay your hair back on the lay, lay yourself back on the ground. Let your hair spill all around you. L- lyrics like that are just amazing. You know what I mean? That paints a picture that you've never heard anybody say. Um, I tell you, the one, uh, the house that built me, country, Miranda Lambert, the house that built me. That song, man, just is like a punch in the face. I mean, it's just perfect. And, and the sentiment of going into the house that built you, you know, they were saying, you know, and in here, I feel like I'm someone else. I thought I might find myself in this house that built me, remembering what it was like to be that person and how the world felt then when you were growing up in the house that built you, for, for example. Uh, songs like that, you know what I mean? You know, that is a serious tradecraft. Somebody who is a great writer who has developed their skill. Um, I mean, that's country, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, it, there's, you know, those great situations like that where you just love them. And then there's sonically, I still listen to all along the watchtower from Hendrix sonically, you know, it's a Dylan cover. And of course, you know, all along the watchtower, the lyrics are just kind of what, I don't know exactly what's all being said there, but Dylan was good at that. Yeah. Just, yeah. I don't know exactly what's happening, but I'm loving it. But but what Hendrix did on a different level than lyrical, just sonically, that song, I still listen to it to this day. And you just go, oh, my gosh, what is happening there? So, you know, I mean, there's just a a whole lifetime like you have, like we started the whole conversation of me growing up listening to music. There's a whole lifetime of weird 
knowledge in my brain of all of these songs and all these lyrics that you just love. And it's so hard to pin down one, but uh, there's just, you know, there's a lot of good stuff being done, you know. Your new album, Anomaly, comes out in October. For Fuel fans, can you tell them what to expect? Or Because we haven't heard it, so we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we wanted to, I wanted to, we, you know, not, we have to honor the past, right? We have, we can't, I don't want to just come out completely, be completely different than what you expect. Um, because it's been a while since, uh, for me, it's been a long time since we, since I have a Fuel record. Um, and I wanted to, you know, honor that, but at the same time, push the envelope a bit as well. And I, I think for me, it was basically going, what should fuel sound like in 2021? That's kind of what kept going in my brain. Like, okay, so this, what would we sound, what are we supposed to sound like now in some ways I'm talking sonically and, uh, just musically and everything. It was a little bit of what I was trying to figure out. Uh, so there's songs on there that will, obviously you'll hear that you'll see, you know, the old the music, the, the, uh, the previous tracks, but then there's new stuff I'm pushing forward using some, a little more drum loops, um, using a little more keyboards, even some stuff like that. Um, but it, and pushing the envelope in that direction as well. So just, you know, you want to have one foot in the past, one foot in the future and, and try to bridge that gap because I don't want people to hear, it's been a long time, like I said, and I don't want people to hear the record and just go, what that, you know, what is this? This is just, you know, I, I, I thought I was buying a fuel record, you know, you don't want that. So uh, it was a challenge, but uh, I think it came out really, really, really well. And uh, we're, I'm excited to let people hear this record. It's, it's, uh, it feels really, really good at this point. Well, it was really great to connect with you, even though it's this way, unfortunately. <laughs> and I look forward to being mask free and, yes, please. And at a show where we can actually talk in person, that would be wonderful. Yes. So do they still have the? Do they still have the clubs? It was Avalon. Oh, down on Actually, down on Lansdowne Street. So now that whole complex is the House of Blues. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I remember. Was it Axis down there? Axis by... Avalon. Oh, yeah. There were many. Right. The, that blurry era I was talking about. <laughs> yes. A lot of those nights were there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But still yep. great just, place to see a show right behind the Green Monster at Fenway. Right. I remember we would sneak in and go, look, it's the Green Monster. You know, we'd be it just that was some good times, good times there. Yeah. I remember getting stuck trying to get out of Boston because we had an RV. I think it was Boston. And you don't they at the time they didn't have the low bridges. You marked. took an RV on Starrow Drive. We were on every drive. We were we were backing up a trailer down the interstate. Trying to get, and we took us forever to get out of there. It was crazy. You guys but, you know, were those, those good guys. Days. Good days, good days. Every Labor Day weekend when the college kids move into town, all of the U-Hauls get decapitated on those low bridges every year from people coming from out of town because they just don't know. <laughs> it was crazy. I, I think that's right, right? That seems like the right yep. place. So oh, been a absolutely. while, been a while. Well, it was great to catch up with you. Congratulations on the new record and this new era in the band. And uh, I look forward to you guys hitting the road at some point so that we can hear the yep. songs live because yep. I'm, I'm sure that the next thing for you now that these songs are kind of getting pushed out into the world is that you want to play them in front of people. 
Absolutely. And I, it's going to be great. I mean, we can do any song off any record. John's range, vocal range is amazing. His guitar playing. We've got another guitar player now. So this is going to be great. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Carl, thank you so much. It was great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. There he is, Carl Bell from Fuel. Their new album, Anomaly, will be coming out in October. And you can hear the first single, it's called Hard, and it's featured in the corresponding playlist that's linked in the show notes of this podcast, along with all of the other music we talked about and copious amounts of his favorite, Judas Priest. Also in the show notes of this podcast, all of the links to find Carl online and to find Fuel online. You'll also find all of my links there as well. Huge thanks to our sponsors once again, Digital Federal Credit Union at dcu.org and Jumptown Skydiving at jumptown.com. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss anything from the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday, plus every weekday you get the sit rep which is all of your rock news, music headlines, and industry info in less than five minutes. And don't forget to check out MistressCarrie.com for my blog, my events calendar, and even the online store. And you can join me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern for Cocktails in the War Room on my Facebook page. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.